If you're looking at an earlier stage company and there's some really cool ones and I love them all, um, check out how many employees they have. And that's a big tell of, of where you, uh, you want to send your data. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. Today is Cyber Edition. And hey, share this out with at least three people. That's how we grow. We don't advertise, we don't do any, we don't take sponsors, none of that, because this has become such an amazingly successful show because of you, and we still need your help. Share this out with at least three people today, because you're gonna want to anyways, because my guest is a born entrepreneur, always looking for ways to make things work better, and just an amazing history in the network security security field in protecting people's privacy, intrusion prevention, all of this amazing stuff, and founded this awesome company called Priva, P-R-I-V-V-A. Ashan Gerhardt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate you having me today. And, man, and I'm, I'm going to do a plug. Send it to five people. Three is not enough. So we got to grow, grow it a little bit faster than that. That sounds awesome, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, we're going to give some people some really awesome knowledge today because we've got security professionals. We have managed service providers that listen to the show, you know, general entrepreneurs, and then also consumers, the public. It's kind of a wide range. But today we're going to gear it towards, of course, cybersecurity. And you've been in this field a while, right? How long? Yeah, uh, coming a little over five years now. Fantastic. It's really cool because you say five years and a lot of people will be like, oh, that's not that long to be in a field. Well, when did cyber take off? Right? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's still pretty nascent. I mean, I always I always say to people, you know, the iPhone is still only 15 years old. It's still pretty early in its infancy and cyber, albeit it's been around for a while, people didn't really care till about five to seven years ago. And, uh, you know, that's that's evident there's not enough people to fill yeah. the jobs that we need right now. For sure, my man. Tell me a little bit about Priva. What does it do? Yeah, so we, we help companies evaluate the risk of using vendors. Uh, so think supply chain risk management. That's obviously becoming a huge problem today. Uh, a lot of companies have access to more and more data, uh, whether it's business, enterprise data, or consumer data. And so at the end of the day, you're giving your information to a company and then they're sending it to probably anywhere from 10 to thousands of other companies. And so if we're not doing the right checks and balances downstream, if any one of those downstream companies gets hacked, at the end of the day, your data is going to get exposed. So uh, we built a workflow tool just to make that whole process easier, scalable, uh, you know, just trying to make the UI simple. I'm, I'm not that smart. So I tell the team, if I can't figure it out, then nobody can. And so they made it really, made it really dummy friendly for me. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? You know, and, yeah, unfortunately, it, unfortunately, it's not that easy, but that's, uh, that's why I hired well and partnered really great with a great CTO. That's what's important, too, because, I mean, there's a lot. I, I come from this industry. I have an engineering background. You know, I was a Microsoft certified system engineer back in the day. You know, so I was the one that was in server closets, crawling under the desks, you know, d doing everything, you know, launching. My biggest rollout was something like 15,000 servers right at over a hundred thousand workstations for Merrill Lynch and still today I'm like I just want stuff to work <laughs> that's all that it is you know I, I don't get off on 
actually doing the tech work itself. Yeah. I get off on the outcome that it provides. You know, so, and it sounds like you're in a similar position too, to where you're like, listen, we just need to achieve something here and tech's going to get us there, but it's really the achievement of this outcome is what's going to thrill us. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, uh, a funny story about that is being a, a second time entrepreneur, I used to tell my CTO, just turn the button yellow. Okay. And I was just expected to be done overnight. And he then politely explained to me that there's a lot of nuances in the back end of code and turning that button yellow impacts 20 other buttons on, on the software. And, uh, and I think I've evolved a lot and it's, uh, it's not easy. And, uh, the end of the day, we're, we're here because of him. And I just get to be the, uh, the ugly face in the front end. <laughs> the ugly face. That's great. <laughs> Dude, you were talking about supply chain risk management, right? The things have been, just insane over the past year and a half, especially with, with supply chain. You know, and, and there's issues that I've seen, of course, with being able to find product quickly. You know, and then I don't know what what types of industries you typically work with when you do the supply chain management. So our two biggest markets are the legal industry and financial services. Um, legal industry because your lawyer is your most critical third party vendor. You probably tell them everything, anything, and share everything. Um, so they're, they're a big vulnerability that kind of go under, underlooked. Um, and then financial services just being driven by the regulators. Uh, they have access to the keys to, to your kingdom um, and your money. And so uh, there's obviously a lot of pressure on them. And, and they're always trying to stay one step ahead of the curve. And that's using you know, better products to make their business more efficient. Yeah. Um, so those are the two markets that we really focus on. What's the point in it? You know, cause obviously I deal both with attorneys and financial services industry. So I'm sure everybody listening does <laughs> in some fashion or another, what's a point to where your ears should perk up a little bit, kind of like a warning sign that something's not right. You know, in the financial services, uh, I'll, I'll say for the most part, they've done a pretty good job. Um, you know, if you're thinking and you see and you log in and you see somebody else's bank account information when you log into your account, there's a red flag. And trust me, that happens more than you uh, more than I've you had it happen to me, man. Yeah. yeah. Freak me out. So, um, pretty much everything you can think of when you're looking at your banking, there's somebody else that has that data. Um, so generally try to think about working with companies that are more mature, uh, especially in the fintech space. Uh there's a lot of cool technologies that are coming out around helping consumers manage their money, invest their money, uh, find out how old they are, take a look at their privacy policies, just do a little digging on their website, uh, see if they have a security officer on their team. Um, those are the sort of things you want to just check. If it's if you go to LinkedIn and you see that they only have four employees, your data is probably not very safe. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> They're running everything in a spreadsheet, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, those are the kind of red flags you want to yeah. just check. But if you're looking at an earlier stage company and there's some really cool ones and I love them all, um, check how many employees they have. And that's a big tell of, of where you, uh, where you want to send your data. Yeah, for sure. Law firms are, are similar in that too, because it's uh, they get into a lot of things, especially if they're dealing with healthcare records or anything really, right? There's chain of custody that's involved in that, that yeah. can be broken extremely easily. 
you know, and violate HIPAA or, or anything else that has to apply to them. So give me an example of like, a, so you work with those two industries, but are you talking, are you protecting individuals from those two industries or are you working a lot with those two industries to bring them up to a certain level of compliance? Yeah, we're bringing those, uh, those firms and, and those are just the two bigger markets, but we also work with school districts actually. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's actually another market that we like healthcare, uh, technology companies like MindBody, which many people probably use their software to schedule a, 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 a fitness class or a yoga class. Um, we're helping those companies make sure that their vendors have the right security in place to protect that information. So if you're giving your data to a bank, you're asking and looking at how many employees the bank has. What we're helping those banks do is look at how many employees and what security all those vendors have. So they're doing that. Ultimately, what your fourth party, you know, all those other companies that have access to your information, we're helping them figure that out and basically normalize it. So we send out a survey, a security assessment questionnaire, and it can be as short as 50 questions. And some of my clients ask 800 questions. It's, it's, it's that exhaustive and ultimately they come back with a, a single risk score and they can say, all right, we use a hundred vendors in our system that have access to personally identifiable information. And this is the ranking and they'll put them from one to a hundred. And it's kind of that old cliche, you know, the bottom 10% start thinking about a new supplier because that's a risk. And um, yeah, so that's what we're doing. And it, so it's, it's a, it's a thankless job for the banks and the lawyers and the law firms um, and so our job is try to just make it easier for them. It's necessary though. And I, I commend necessary. them. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, if I look at, you know, cause in the cyber, I serve SME, right. Which is typically sub $100 million companies. Yeah. And it's an educational barrier that I've seen because it's never really like if there's a breach that occurs, which my crew is amazing and that doesn't happen often at all. And I say not at all, not often because no matter what and however much you can protect any organization, there's still going to be a breach of some sort at some point. There, there's no way to completely put this shield that's around everything and just wave a magic wand and have everything be okay forever. It doesn't happen that way in our industry. You know, yeah. and I'm sure that's the case because even when you're evaluating supply chain, that bottom 10% you're talking about, that's probably a shifting target, right? If they have a hundred yeah. vendors, right? Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, uh, and you're completely right. Um, breaches are happening. Every company's probably experienced a breach. If they haven't, they just don't know it yet. And, uh, you know, they're, and it's only getting worse. I mean, how do we, how do we combat nation states to, that are just funded to try to disrupt oh, yeah. operations here? And, and there's not enough people. I mean, I, I, I go into every meeting and my old dad joke is I've never met a security or risk team that has extra time on their hands. Um, and so, they don't have enough bodies that know this and kind of going back to that first question. Yeah. I've only been in for five years. I had no background. I was, I was in investment banking before I started this company. Uh, and so learn fast and, uh, you know, it's, it's be smart with your information, um, you know, and, and pick companies that you trust. For sure. And as you're talking about this too, because it, you're honing in and I, you haven't directly said it yet, but I love what you're pointing towards is that it's really the responsibility of that entity to make sure that you're protecting the PII data that you have 
under your protection, under your umbrella. You know, because it's there is a there is another shifting of responsibility. Right, and let's just take it from the consumer perspective. I've seen this, like with Equifax and Marriott, so two of the yeah. biggest breaches we know. All of a sudden, it became, oh, it's their fault, you know. And that's something I've noticed that exists in the cyber field is that okay, we were breached, but how did that happen? Or some data that was within our our purview was breached by somebody we're connected with. Oh, it's got to be their problem. Right. But that you know, if you want to call that supply chain, they're, they're a vendor. If we look at it from that perspective, the organization itself where that breach originated never really took responsibility to evaluate their vendors in the first place to make sure that those communications are solid, that the protection exists bi-directionally. I'm sure you come across this all the time. Yeah, and look, and that's the biggest challenge in our world. Um, You can only go so far as also, right? So pick on Marriott. Even if they did some level of diligence, they only have so much authority to enforce change and act as that sort of dictator to say, you don't have a third party penetration test. You must do one and you have to have it done by PWC. You marry up, pick and you have to pick and choose your battles. And they, they, they did some diligence. They probably accepted some risks, uh, but it's not foolproof. And that's the hard part. That is the hard part. And I, I like how you said they probably accepted some risk because isn't there always, even with everything that you do, because Priva sounds, dude, just amazing. And I commend you for everything you've accomplished. Even when you talk about that bottom 10%, it's like there's still, let, let's take a, that above 90%, right? Because yeah. there's varying scores. You're still almost forced to accept some risk somewhere in order to continue doing business, right? <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's absolutely, and it's actually funny. We actually tell our clients, if somebody ends up with a hundred percent, that means they're failing because they're lying because nobody has everything in every aspect of security. And if they get a hundred percent, we actually test them a little bit more and actually ask them to prove it to us. Um, Yeah. You're going to, you're going to have to accept risks and otherwise you're never going to have a vendor. I mean, the biggest and best company <laughs> in the world. Yeah, for you sure. Know, <laughs> You're running solo if you don't accept risk. I don't know what Salesforce's security budget. I mean, Bank of America or JP Morgan, one of the two, just came out. So they spent a billion dollars a year on cybersecurity. Both of them have had security incidents. It doesn't yeah. matter how much you throw, how much money you throw at the wall and you hire the best people. Uh, you know, it's going to be challenging. And that's and kind of bringing it back to you. You're probably seeing this. I think hackers are now saying, well, let's go after the SMBs a little bit more. For sure. They don't have a billion dollars, so they're probably easier. And if I go and hack 10 vendors of Bank of America, it's probably faster, easier, and cheaper. And I'll probably get more information than if I actually went after Bank of America and just spent years trying to twiddle my thumbs breaking into their 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 system. So, um you know, they're smart. They're going after the smaller the, the SMBs too. I mean, I'm assuming you're seeing that as well. You are dead on. And in, again, from the educational space in this field too, that's always one of the challenges. And one of the myths that exists too is like, oh, I'm too small for a hacker to pay attention to me. It's like, no, you are within their sweet spot because you communicate with these large vendors that exist, like you're talking a Bank of America, a JP Morgan, because you communicate and transmit data with those entities, you're the easier target 
because yeah. you don't have the billion dollars to spend on this. You know, so there, you have to accept more risk. And that's a gap, you know, from a philosophical perspective. That's a gap that I hope continues to close over the next five years. And I see it there because the protection that's really needed that those large entities use, you know, from both human resources and technology, yeah. it's really, really expensive to get the stuff you absolutely need right now. But at some point in time, it's going to trickle down like a lot of things do. And hopefully that gap closes to be where it becomes more affordable for SMEs just because it's needed. There's no yeah. difference in the need between the two. There's just a difference in the amount of money that can be spent. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, that's why I like what you, you're doing because they don't a have the expertise. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the budget. Um, how do you, they don't know the difference between silence and CrowdStrike. I mean, yeah. I personally know, it, and I've been doing this for five years. <laughs> and so, you know, they need somebody to come in and show them a roadmap and try to figure out how to make this affordable. Yeah, um, yeah. And not, and the key is, don't do it to be a, don't do it as a checkbox exercise. And that's what we still see a lot that people are saying, well, I got to pass their audit. Don't think about it as passing their audit, thinking about protecting, you know, the consumer's data that's going to go into your system and the, the impact on your company, their lives, if something does happen. Wow. That's an interesting perspective because you're right. I didn't think about it from that. It's almost... These uh, these audits are almost treated as like a credit check, you know, to, <laughs> to where they have to put you know fill out a personal financial statement or something like that. Well, I've got to go through this to maintain business with these people, and that that's the only reason why they do it. Versus you know from a financial, it's like let's make sure our finances are sound, but also let's make sure our cyber is sound. But that that's interesting, man. It's like okay, yeah. here's just my busy work checking off these boxes right, right now. Yes, I do have endpoint protection. Yes, I watched it. A video about cybersecurity. So now I'm trained. Uh, you know, we're still seeing that, and it's and it's it's evolving. Like you said, it's still an immature. It's a it's a growing market. Most people don't understand it. You yeah. know, we're we're seeing this in in the Department of Defense. You know, they're coming out with something called the cybersecurity maturity model. And yep, uh, you got it. You know, you know the, the CMMC is what it's called. You have three hundred fifty thousand defense. Uh, contractors that support, support the Department of Defense, 80% of them are small to medium-sized businesses yeah. that have never thought about this. And now all of a sudden you got the DOD putting down a hammer uh, and I've read those controls and, and requirements. They're confusing to me. They are. And I live this. I can't imagine the mom and pop shop that's making widgets that are going to Boeing that now have to follow 117 security controls. Come on, that's that's not feasible. And that's where experts like you come in. All right, let's do an assessment. Let's figure out where you are. Um, but again, you know, but don't just write a check and say, okay, now I passed the DOD, I'm good. And that's, For sure. that's what it would help if the DOD actually talked to CISO or the CIA or the NSA and they all communicated back and forth <laughs> fairly frequently in yeah. a productive fashion. Yeah, that's all I'll say on my soapbox today. But. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't know if you saw the news, but the person at the DOD who was responsible for putting this whole program in place just got put on administrative leave. Yep, because she didn't exactly have a security background, and she was 
you know, breaching her security clearance. So, um, yeah, so the person writing and running this program wasn't even uh, properly educated on what it was. So. <laughs> Yay, administration. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So we'll, get, we'll get away from politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good touch points, good touch points. Yes. Uh, one thing you said that was curious to me, because you were in investment banking before, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like how you said you're, you're a second-time entrepreneur right now, but... How did you make that transition? Because that's an interest. I mean, I can see you're helping financial institutions right now, but what made you think, oh, I'm going to jump into security? Um, so my first venture, which didn't work out, uh, I was selling. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, you got yeah, some scars. Like, now you're yeah. going to rock it. <laughs> I don't know about scars. I got gray hairs and a bald spot, but um, <laughs> I was actually selling software to hospitals and I was a vendor. And I had to go through a security review because I was actually going to connect to their network. And sometimes it was a phone call. Sometimes it was an email. Sometimes it was an Excel sheet. And uh, that was my first foray into this. And I didn't really think too much about it. And then my business partners, um, had a, they sold their company. And then they started selling to the enterprise. And they were in school districts and all of a sudden they started getting these security assessment questionnaires. And, and, uh, five years ago, they got one from PwC PricewaterhouseCooper and it was an Excel sheet. And it was that moment that we said the number one consulting company in the world still uses a manual process. <laughs> it's a big WTF moment right there. <laughs> so, um, so we, basically said, let's go give this a shot. We looked at the market, saw a couple people were dabbing in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I remember that moment. I, I walked into my boss's office and said, Hey, I got this opportunity. I had a really good relationship with him. I said, I got this opportunity. I really want to try it. I don't want to do it with your blessing. And he says, all right, what's the deal? I said, look, I want to do some meetings. I want to try some client pitches. I'm going to take a day off here and there. I said, so that's option one. I do it with your blessing. And he says, all right, what's option two? I said, I quit. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, you got 60 days to figure it out. And, uh, and I, I got a school district in New Jersey interested selling a PowerPoint presentation. And that was how we, uh, I, and I had yeah. no clue what I was talking about. They literally <laughs> I was just going to ask, man, what did that pitch look like? <laughs> uh, your it, first one. It, it was, it was the dumb leading the dumb. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, it prevailed. And, uh, yeah, so we got some, we got some interest and, uh, and I quit my job and, and, uh, dove in and, uh, it's been a fun five years. That's awesome. Yeah. Where do you see the competitive landscape right now? Are there still just a few that are dabbling in this? Because I know it's not very prolific right now. It's getting, uh, it's getting worse every day. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, this is, you know, solar winds, Microsoft, all these oh, breaches. God, yeah. that are being, you know, these are front page headline breaches that are coming up. And so, you know, the market's definitely evolved, um, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, it's taken a lot of the, the education part of it out during the sales process. Um, and so we embrace it, uh, but it's definitely getting more and more competitive. And I think that you're seeing uh, more companies understand that this is a risk. And so how do then, you know, how do they, how do they sort of bring this and complement an endpoint protection and network security yeah. product that they may have um, and sort of bring it all together. And, and so, 
Yeah. I mean, look, cyber, cyber is just getting more and more competitive because people see a greenfield opportunity and nobody in any aspect of cybersecurity has sort of risen to the top and is truly the best in breed like you have in other industries because yeah. none of these companies really existed 10 years ago. Yep, you got it. It's still an open market. I mean, the blue ocean mentality that you, that you yeah. hear about, you know, it's, I'm excited to see where it's going to go over the next 10 years and looking to play a big part in that role along with you are along with yeah. you too. There's a, it's going to get more competitive, but I also think there's going to be a weeding out over the next several years too, because there's a lot of individuals like I'm in the SMB space, right? And, you know, I'm looking to make a dominating brand in the SMB space. I mean, no joke. That's the reason why we're going public. You know, for you, you're, you're looking to do supply chain risk management, but I doubt you're in that to be like number seven or eight on the list, right? You know, <laughs> with the passion that you have, but there's going to be some weeding out over the next couple of years in this industry to where a lot of those who dabbled and realized that, oh, there's a lot to this are just going to kind of fall to the wayside. And that's also an opportunity for mergers and acquisitions too, for consolidation is what I see because there's certain, just like what you're doing right now is not something that reach out does. Yeah, because there's so many different competencies that exist in cybersecurity that it's it's mind-boggling and you can never possibly have them under the same roof. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think you're right. And I think that's actually one of the challenges that we see is there's a lot of buyer fatigue. Oh, yeah. Because everybody's opportunistic, present company included. Um yeah, <laughs> that's how we go. Look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hide that. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're not non for profit businesses, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. But you're getting these CISOs who are getting calls, kind of talking about like our competition. Yeah, there's more players calling them, and these CISOs are trying to figure out who's actually a real company, who's started and has three people in a garage. Um, that just created a cool front end. Does the product actually work? Is it defensible? Um, we're seeing just worse. We've seen the number of proof of concepts that we've had to do to win deals go up about a thousand percent wow. in 2021. Just because people need to make sure, you know, that old cliche, you don't get fired for hiring the big four, but you could lose your shirt if you hire the wrong cybersecurity vendor and their technology sucks and you've suffered a breach. Yeah. Um, and so, that's going to be the challenge, I think, is weeding out. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. You're going to see a lot of consolidation, a lot of M&A of products that got contracts but didn't have good technology and companies who have the good technology just to say, look, we just want to absorb your, your clients. And uh, you're going to see a lot of consolidation. And then you're going to see a lot of companies fade out because you just don't know who's good. And, and it's, hard, it's hard to sell to... CISOs and directors of securities and CIOs, especially yeah. coming after COVID. It's a, to your point of the proof of concept, that's probably one, going to be one of our biggest challenges, yours and mine, over the coming three years or so, is just we're, gonna, we're going to come across CISOs, you know, or in the SMB space, you know, you're, we're going to come across CFOs, <laughs> you know, for the, for the most part, that have been burned hardcore, yeah. you know, just because they've hired the, to what you're saying, the three guys in a garage. Yeah, no, and it, it, yeah, you're going to see a lot, and it's you're going to see a lot of burnout of CISOs also. I mean, yeah, you're for sure. Seeing, you're seeing it. It's 
it's a tough gig. Uh, Mountain I Dew doesn't cut it anymore, man. Like what we grew up on, right? <laughs> no, no. And Red Bull is not strong enough. So exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're getting woken up at crazy hours in the middle of the night I mean, the DLA Piper, which is, uh, you know, the, one of the top law firms in the world. I mean, I remember, I know the CISO of that company at the time lived in San Diego and that attack started in the Ukraine. And so you think about that time difference. I think he got woken up at like 4.30 in the morning to every system of the top law firm in the world shut down and uh, trying to react instantaneous. Uh, Oh, I hear you. One of my clients is the largest snow removal company in the Midwest. And it was maybe five years ago that I was, this was back when I was still on the keyboard and doing things, right? When I knew how to do it, I should say, you know, now, now I've got smarter people like you have your CTO. I got mine too, man. <laughs> I, I remember being, I mean, this was 2014, 2015, something like that. I was up, thank God, you know, that was nice, but I was already like seven or eight drinks in because it was New Year's Eve and it was 1 a.m. in the morning now when, because they have about 14 international patents and there was an active attack coming from China on them. And it was the nightmare of that was just disgusting, especially when you're not expecting it like that, you know? So, I mean, six years ago, you know, being a, a CISO in that realm and that's really things then are probably maybe like 1% or 0.1% how bad they are now. Yeah. And that sucked. Imagine doing that, right? As a CISO to, every single week. It's just yeah. disgusting. It's all, yeah, it is. And uh, so the biggest question, did the client know you were seven drinks in? No, client didn't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it made me better or worse. You know, I'm just going to say that it made me better, you know, because it, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it only took about 45 minutes, which actually, you know, that's not bad at all, you know, to, stop, all. <laughs> to stop the breach. That's pretty, pretty amazing, especially if I'm like, pour me another, you know, <laughs> we're just going to go to town with this. But you're tra- like, in the, you're at the corner, in the corner of the party, like, <laughs> like yes. Rick, Rick really loves work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding I'm, I mean, I'm looking at, at you know ip trace routes and seeing this bounce literally all over the world in the midst of this thing you know like god where are we gonna find these idiots you know <laughs> no, man, that's wild yeah and, they, and they're smart they know yeah the time that everybody's having a cocktail you got it that was exactly uh, it for sure yeah, yeah that was the best time and this was a company that does maybe about 40 million dollars a year in revenue you know, which is a prime target for anyone that, yeah. that's over, you know, if, even for a nation state, you know, and now it's not, you know, it, it, it emanated from China, but what you're saying with the nation states, and this is what I think a lot in our industry don't understand that a lot of it funnels back to that. So even e-crime groups, because if you look at the threat actor profiles, the five main ones, right? It, the nation states have the motivation for geopolitical destabilization, but they will fund e-criminal groups in order to carry out these attacks, you know, and they carry out attacks, not just against SMBs or against these large, these large corporations like JP Morgan or, or bank of America, as you're saying, they're attacking you and me too, because they know that we have access. We're one of those vendors that you're talking about, (laughs) you know, know, that we have the keys to the kingdom for a lot of these companies too. Right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, yeah, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're fishing. And they yeah. have enough money to fish all day and just find, find that vulnerability. And, uh, it's just tough about it, but yeah. hey, 
job security, I guess. <laughs> that's the truth, man. <laughs> that is yeah, complete. Unless we're one of those that didn't make it and we get, you know, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, I don't intend to be that. And I don't think you're going to be that either. You no, know? no. Oh, this is, this is great, my man. So where do you go from here? I mean, I've, I've thrown out a lot of future predictions. What, what do you see, you know, for the future of Priva and the future of supply chain risk management over the next three years or so? I think, um, you know, just take the second part first. I, I just think it's a growing market. Um, it, it's price pressure, business efficiency. People don't want to work anymore from now that we're seeing. You just got to hire products that are going to make your life easier um, yeah. and do things cheaper. I mean, the legal industry, I mean, everybody on here has probably paid a lawyer a lot of money for an hour of work. That's not going to fly anymore. And they need to, they need to embrace technology. And so, you know, it's just going to get worse and worse, um, you know, and, and expand. So that's where we're seeing it. Uh, there's cool companies. I mean, yeah. we do what we do. Then we work with somebody, uh, a company called risk recon. They got acquired by MasterCard. Uh, they're doing really cool things and, and looking at, you know, public information and saying, Hey, can we quantify this from a risk? Um, and that, you know, so, you bring these couple products that are just going to help scale these. So that, I think supply chain is just going to get worse, um, better for us, I guess. Um, and then for Priva, you just got heads down, heads down. And, uh, you know, we just, we just want to always try to figure out the problem our clients are dealing with. How can we fix it? Uh, like I said, security people are in a thankless job. You know, it's like technology. You expect the computer to turn on and when it does, Nobody thinks about you, but when it doesn't, they lose it and they want your head on a platter. And that's what security is. It's, oh, we didn't get breached. So are you, are you really valuable to the company? Yeah. They, they let go of that person and all of a sudden they have an incident and they realize the value and, and they don't realize they're getting calls at 12 o'clock on New Year's Eve and having to deal with stuff. So, you know, we just want to be heads down. And uh, I say to the team, we, um, I, I used to work at Disney. We customer support to a fault. My team probably hates it. And uh, I take that back. The team does hate it. Um, but if we make our clients life easier, then we won. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and they're going to stick around. And at the end of the day, you know, there are, there are going to be competitors that are going to come in, but we don't, we don't really worry about that. That's awesome, my man. I'm excited to see where you go, where, where this industry goes to. And yeah. Let's just keep educating people. I think that's probably our biggest hurdle that we have right now. Yeah, the general consumer just reads about it, but they don't truly understand. Um, and if you do get breached, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If you do get breached and you're using the right companies, don't get mad at them. They, they, they didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, you know, there may have been some ignorance. There may have been some negligence a little bit, but we're we're working we're working as hard the, the industry is working hard and they're trying to do the best they can and so if it happens it happens it's happened probably to everybody um yeah. just you know just have a little compassion for them 
for sure and celebrate the wins with them too yeah you know because i mean that was the thing after we stopped china you know in this incident that i was referencing a couple years ago i took my client out to lunch (laughs) during that week just the high fives you know but it, it should also be the other way around i feel too you know show the appreciation because all of those individuals are going to work so much harder for you if you have an in-house CISO, whatever you know the stuff that you don't see that's going on with those individuals is just insane yeah yeah man but we'll keep if there's any businesses owner business owners on here and you have a security team i agree safe banks um it, it means the world for sure awesome well if you don't know Ashan, you might soon especially if you if you're a vendor to somebody at this point he might be knocking on your door under the banner of priva but for now go to priva.com find out what you need to do Ashan, you're amazing and follow Ashan. you know you well actually on linkedin i guess it's just priva on linkedin too isn't it yeah yep. yep. we'll put the links in the show notes but my man thank you for being on i've enjoyed I our conversation it. a lot of passion too right yeah absolutely thanks i appreciate it 